It's important to learn where the hymnals go. <laughs> Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 6. We're beginning this week a new worship series, and we're going to be talking about what it means to have hope. How is Christian hope different than other kinds of hope? And what is our source of hope? So I invite you to listen to this as we hear these words from God. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a high and exalted throne, the edges of his robe filling the temple. Winged creatures were stationed around him. Each had six wings. With two, they veiled their faces, with two, their feet, and with two, they flew about. They shouted to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven. All the earth is filled with God's glory. The doorframe shook at the sound of their shouting, and the house was filled with smoke. I said, Mourn for me, I'm ruined. I'm a man with unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heavenly forces. Then one of the winged creatures flew to me, holding a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed and your sin is removed. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom should I send? And who will go for us? I said, I'm here. Send me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isaiah's story begins with a reminder from God. It's a pretty violent reminder from God. Isaiah begins his prophecy with something that we call a theophany. And theophany is a big church word for seeing God. It means that any time that you see God in person, in the flesh, so we'll say, that is a theophany. And so we see those throughout the Bible. We see a theophany when Jacob wrestles with God in the desert. We see a theophany when Moses is in the burning bush. We see a theophany when people are taken up into heaven anytime, when John receives the revelation that makes the last book of our Bible. Theophanies are a visible manifestation of God. And the point is always to tell us something about who God is, something that can only be revealed by seeing God in person. Theophanies are always terrifying. They are always awe-inspiring. Whenever a person in the Bible experiences the theophany, they are shaken to their very core. You know, it's one of those things we say we wish we could see God. We wish we could see the face of God. And yet, every time I read a story of someone meeting God in the Bible, it reminds me that, no, maybe I don't want to have that experience, please. Maybe I don't want to have that experience. I mean, think about it. Isaiah's encounter with God is not an extremely pleasant experience. He's just sitting in the sanctuary in church one morning, listening to the word of God speaking, when maybe he falls asleep. That would never happen during a sermon, right? Maybe he falls asleep and he goes to heaven in a dream and he's transported up to heaven, and heaven is filled with the robes of God, the robe of God. This is how big God is. All Isaiah sees are the bottoms of God's robe. 
and is surrounded by these seraphs. Now, they're not angels, even though they have wings. This is the only time in the Bible we hear about seraphs. And it's not really entirely clear what their purpose is or what they look like. Their name is from the Hebrew word seraph, which means to burn. They burn. They're angels of fire, essentially. They're beings which are literally caught on fire. And in fact, any other time you hear about the word seraph in the Bible, it has to do with the burning venom of serpents. So there's every possibility that these are not angels, but giant winged snakes that are on fire. It's quite a disquiet, disquieting, uncomfortable vision of heaven. Snakes with burning venom. And then can you imagine one of those snakes with burning venom and wings flies at Isaiah with a burning coal and touches him on the mouth? Maybe I don't want to have these visions after all. It's terrifying. And yet it tells us something about God. It tells us this. God is bigger than whatever we imagine. Whatever limits we put on God, whatever visions we have of who God is and how God interacts with the world, it is bigger and quite possibly more terrifying than you can imagine. We have this ability to put God in a box to make Buddy Christ out of God, to make God tame, as if God is a pet or an animal that we could carry around on our shoulders or something that we can limit to human understanding. We have this ability to make God small so that we can understand whatever it is we need to understand about God. And this vision reminds us that God is bigger and more terrifying than we can imagine. It reminds us that God is not subject to kings or to our human limitations or to history or to physics or to whatever limitations we put on God. God is bigger. God is mightier. God is more awe-inspiring than all of that. In many ways, our society has convinced us that we are able or should be able to be God. That we can be small gods or mini gods, that we have control over things that we don't have control over. That we can and should be able to handle situations that we don't have any ability to handle. We've done this in a lot of ways because we've tamed nature, or we think we have. We can call up light at the tips of our fingertips. In fact, if you have a smartphone, you can do it without even having to think about it. You can schedule your lights to come on and off whenever you want. We turn the water on and the tap and the water comes out. And we don't think about anything other than we have clean water. We can climate control our homes. And so it doesn't matter what temperature it is outside. It's always a lovely 70 degrees inside of our house. And so we think we have control over nature until our air conditioning goes out. Or we turn the tap on and we remember that we don't have as much control as we like to think. 
We've also convinced ourselves that we can be as smart as God because we have unlimited access to knowledge. Do you remember back in the day when you would sit at a table at a bar with your friends and you would argue about whatever? No, that single, it came out in 1974. I remember because this happened. Or no, that single came out in 1976. But we don't have those arguments anymore, right? Because Wikipedia is 30 seconds away. We have unlimited sources of knowledge. And that is terrifying in some ways. How many of you woke it up with a headache in the morning and then Googled it? And then instantly you're dying from some sort of brain cancer? Right? When our first child was born, I had to ban my husband from Dr. Google because literally everything that the child happened to her, we Googled and she was instantly dying, right? <laughs> we had to put it down because Google, Dr. Google taught us things that we didn't need to know. And also convinced us that we had more expertise in that area than we really did. Well, what about the fact that we can get on an airplane and be anywhere in the world in less than 24 hours? You're no longer limited by, what, by your physical ability to travel. Or if you don't want to get on an airplane, you can go on Google Maps again and go anywhere in the world on your computer. You should try it. Just Google. Go, go to Google. Go to Google World Map, and you can be anywhere in the world in 10 seconds. It's convinced us that we are God and that we have control over a lot more than we do. It gives us the illusion that we're the ultimate authority on all things, that we're the ultimate authority on what happens to us in our lives, that we're the ultimate authority on every subject matter. It's convinced us that we should be able to handle anything that comes along, that we should be able to put on that stiff upper lip and be able to handle anything we tell ourselves God won't give us more than we can handle when the truth is that God gives us more than we can handle every day. Because God doesn't want us to be in charge of our own lives. God doesn't want us to rely upon ourselves to overcome things. God knows that you are more in need of God than God is in need of you. God reminds us that it's okay to need help to admit that we're weak and that we are in need of a savior. God gives us more than we can handle, but not more than God can handle. We sang the words this morning, holy, 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 God in three persons, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. It reminds us that God is bigger than the earth. God is bigger than whatever problems that follow us on this earth and through this life. God is bigger than giant winged snakes. Even angels who are on fire trust in God, sing praises to God, know that they are less than God. We are smaller than God, and that is a good thing. God chooses every day to intervene in our lives. God chooses every day to be active in our lives. God chooses every day to encounter us where we are, as long as we open ourselves up to God and admit that we don't have everything under control. 
that we are in need of a God who knows more than we do. We're in need of a God who has seen everything and been everywhere. We are in need of a God who calls us to serve something bigger than ourselves. And so when it comes down to it, hope rests in the fact that all God needs from us is for us to remember that we are people. That we are people, and as people, we are sinners. We are sinners who are fallible. We are human beings who are breakable. We are human beings who are limited. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make bad choices. We're going to use that unlimited knowledge and make choices that are not good for us in the long run. We're going to make choices that alienate ourselves from other people. We're going to make choices that are not good because we're human. In the words of the immortal poet Hannah Montana, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has bad days. Human beings are breakable. We get sick. We get sick in our hearts. We get sick in our minds. We get sick in our bodies. We are in need of a God who can walk with us through those moments. We're breakable. We listen to the voices in our head which lie to us about who we are and how valuable we are. We listen to the words of others which tell us to sit down and be quiet. We're breakable. We're limited. We don't have internal knowledge. It doesn't matter how many times you read Wikipedia, you won't remember everything. We are limited in knowledge, and we are limited in our ability to change the world. Everybody wants to change the world, right? You come, especially if you're just out of high school or just out of college, and you think you have the world by the hand, and the longer that you live and the more mature you are, the more you realize that you have no control over 90% of what happens to you in your life. We're limited. And yet we are loved and chosen by a God who is none of those things. God is not limited by any of those things. God doesn't get sick. God doesn't make mistakes. God did not make a mistake with you. God is not limited to our human ability to understand God. We are loved and chosen by a God who is none of those things. And so each day we can choose to be thankful that we are not in charge. We can be thankful that we have the freedom to make mistakes and to have bad days because the world doesn't depend upon us. We can acknowledge that we need God's help, that we need God's help. We need the voices of others in our community to call us to account. We need the voices of others in our community to remind us that we are loved by God and we are worth God's attention. We wake up every day and we're thankful because God has chosen us. And this is the basis of our hope. We can hope because we are not in charge. We can hope because we have a God who says, you, I choose you even though I am holy, holy, holy. I choose you, I'm involved in your life. So take a step back and let me be in charge for a day. 
I am God and you are not. You are a sinner and I am not, God says. And so every day we can risk stepping out in God's name. Every day we can choose to listen to God's voice which speaks to us and reminds us that we are children of God and we're not in control. That is the good news of the gospel.